Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. First degree. The first degree. You see it on the news. You see it on the paper. You see it on Facebook. These things are supposed to happen in movies, not in real life. I remember exactly the last time I saw her, and it was after Sam went missing, because she had been out handing out flyers and looking for him. And she came to the bar with my girlfriend and I. She was laughing. She was the loudest one in the bar that night. Welcome to the First Degree, the true crime podcast that you might end up on. My name is Jack Fanick. I'm sitting here with Alexis Linkletter. <sighs> it's a good day today. Another great day in paradise. In paradise or hell. It just depends on however you're living your life right now. Or your perspective. That's true. That's very true. How are we feeling today? It's May my birthday is in 10 days. Not that I'm a birthday counting person, oh but God, I, I completely forgot that your birthday is coming up <laughs> because we've been talking about your wedding and everything so much that I was like, that's got surely enough attention. Like, no, that's what I'm trying to not like do with. I'm, I'm going to do something low key. Usually we'll do a trip for my birthday because <laughs> I'll just use any excuse to get the, the gang together. But uh, yeah, I'm not going to be all I, I just want to have some drinks. We're going to have lots of fun. In the we always do. Yeah, we, we don't always do. Um, but it is May 3rd today. Well, first of all, got to plug the Patreon before we jump into the day today. If you're not a member of our Patreon, we have so much fun bonus content for you over there. An extra episode every single week for our all-access firsties, video content, plus any multi-parter that we do, you're getting it all at once over on Patreon where you might have to wait another week to get it on your normal feed. So please join us. All the priorities are going to you. Exactly. And then we have some fun over there. You know, we don't have anybody to please and boss us around. No sponsors that we have to appease. You know, no, we just we do what we want. We go rogue over there. That's right. All right. Well, we're going to get into the episode. Today is May 3rd and uh, it is the great American grump out grump out. I don't know what this means, but I'm assuming it's let your grump out. You know, if you're feeling grumpy, just let it all out. I hate grumps. <laughs> I do too. I can be chipper under any circumstance. Even when I'm seething angry, I don't make that other people's problems. I was like, yeah. I'm great. How are you? I don't want your grumpy ass talking to me. Take it home. If you can't bury the grumpster, know yourself and stay home and don't go to a fun event with your friends. Well, this is such a great point. Yeah. This might have to move to on the stand for yeah. uh, for killing time because that is so fucking true. You know, I used to force myself. I'd be in a terrible mood, but there was a thing to go to. And I'd be like, 
I have to go. And then I would have a terrible time in the next morning. I'd have to apologize to a bunch of people because I was just not in the right place to go do it. Yeah. You got to just know yourself and look inward. If you're grumpy, avoid others. Keep it internalized because, yeah, nobody likes a grump. It like takes the sunshine out of a room. No one likes that. Oh, that's such a that, great point, Alexis. But just if you're being grumpy, if you need real help, tell your friends. Yes. But if you're just woke up on the wrong side of the bed type grump, you know, buck up, buttercup. The term grump, I feel like you're grumping around for no reason. Yeah. It's also Paranormal Day, which I absolutely love. And National Two Different Colored Shoes Day. Again, don't know where the hell any of these days come from, but those are your days for today. Okay. Well, that's exciting. And I'm excited for this episode. I think you guys will be blown away. And I'm down to get into it if you are. Yeah. Well, that's enough of that. So let's turn down the lights. And turn up your anxiety. Because this could be you. As we go in and out of our daily lives and countless interactions, every once in a while you cross paths with someone who makes you feel some kind of way. Someone who sort of activates your spidey senses. And I'm not talking about the overly creepy people, weird people, or off-putting people. I'm talking about the kind of people where you could make a scarf out of all the red flags they're showing you. Perhaps they're brash or boisterous, or maybe they're spontaneous or impulsive. Either way, they're the life of the party or they encourage you to step outside your own comfort zone, which aren't bad things in and of themselves. Soon you find yourself not only drawn to such a person, perhaps of the voyeurism of it all or the drama, but you're also enjoying their company. Being around this kind of person can feel like you're on a vacation outside yourself. And despite your intuition screaming that you should tuck and run, you can't help but be pulled in by personal qualities or behaviors you should ordinarily be running from. And that's because the confidence of these energetic yet abrasive in-your-face types of people can be. They can be seductive. And in the context of a world that's experienced so much upheaval in the past few years, we cut these people some slack for embracing life and living life to the fullest, even if that means risking being dragged down with them. So we begin today's case on May 27th of 2021. It was the lead up to Memorial Day weekend, and it was almost 18 months into the global COVID pandemic. The worldwide health crisis had wreaked havoc as healthcare systems and economies around the world struggled to deal with the devastating impact. Obviously, we're still dealing with it now. And on our TVs, the Friends reunion special aired 17 years after the decade-long iconic sitcom series ended. In the world of pop music, Olivia Rodrigo debuted the number one spot with her single, Good For You. And the setting for today's case is Jasper, Texas. Situated in the deep East Texas, the city of around 6,800 people is located about 135 miles northeast of Houston and just 40 miles west of the Texas-Louisiana state line. Settled in 1824, by the early 20th century, Jasper had become a major center for timber manufacturing thanks to the development of the Gulf Colorado and Santa Fe Railways. A century later, in February of 2003, the city was one of the key locations involved in recovering wreckage from the Space Shuttle Columbia disaster. But on a much lighter note, Jasper is known for its annual Butterfly Festival, 
held every October, which celebrates the fall migration of orange and black monarch butterflies through the coastal flyway. How cute is that? So our first degree for today's case is named Nick. And Nick doesn't live in Jasper, but he grew up a couple hours away in Houston. And it's here during middle school where he met a fellow student named Teresa. The pair went to attend Bel Air High School, and Nick got to know Teresa better there. And I have a fun fact about Bel Air. I may have mentioned this. I may have not. Please tell me. My boyfriend's father was the police chief of the Bel Air Police Department Oh, until about seven months ago. So he knew of this case and I talked to him about it and he knows about basically all the cases in Bel Air. So it's kind of a cute little crossover. That's where my boyfriend's from, Houston, Texas. And yeah, so got a nice little other first degree connection to this story. And um, that comes up in another couple cases we have done the line too. So excited to tell you more. But anyways, Bel Air, beautiful place. I've been there. It's a nice enclave of Houston. It's a very, you know, upscale type of place. Right. I met Teresa through a mutual friend. I was 14 years old. Teresa was 13. Initially, it started just us chatting on AOL Instant Messenger. And we'd occasionally run into each other at hangouts and stuff. And then through the years, you know, we'd talk. In high school, I'd run into her at parties. Nick always knew Teresa as a bit of a troubled kid with some behavioral issues at school. But on the other hand, she had a reputation for being fun-loving, outgoing, and energetic, which earned her the nickname Hype Girl. People couldn't help having a great time when Teresa was around because she made sure of it. Not having fun and not going balls to the wall was not an option. She had discipline problems from a very young age. Even in middle school, I remember she was kind of like a prankster. And then the behavior got worse. She had this way around people. One of our friends actually nicknamed her Hype Girl. She's a very loud personality. Like if you're at a bar and the jukebox is playing, you're still going to understand what's going on in her conversation because she's just that emphatic and that loud. She was a good time when she wasn't being hype girl. Teresa and Nick maintained their friendship until they went their separate ways. Nick went off to college, and then in 2017, after he graduated, he bumped into the now 25-year-old Teresa, and they realized that they were living close to each other. She had actually just moved out to the west side of Houston, and I was like, let's meet up for a drink. She wouldn't really delve into what was going on with her kids. She just told me, like, yeah, my kid's with his dad, blah, blah, blah. Teresa caught Nick up on what was going on in her personal life, and things definitely hadn't been dull for her at all. When they went for drinks, Nick learned that she'd given birth to a son back in 2009. Then she met a guy named Alex, and they had two daughters together. But by the time Teresa got back in touch with Nick, she and Alex had broken up. Right. And even though it had been years since they were in touch, they kind of picked right back up where they left off. I'm sure all of you can relate to those kinds of friendships, right? The ones from your childhood especially feel effortless under these circumstances. And Teresa latched back onto Nick and also eventually became very, very close with Nick's then-girlfriend, Christina. And the three of them and some other friends were all seeing each other and hanging out quite a lot. But then Teresa and Nick's girlfriend got a little too close, and it started to cause problems within their relationship. And things started becoming increasingly difficult. And with that, Nick learned that Teresa hadn't matured much since high school at all. This girl managed to like infiltrate my life, infiltrate my relationship, because she ended up becoming best friends with my girlfriend. That relationship, there was even more red flags because I'd tell my girlfriend one thing, Teresa would tell her another, 
And it was just like constantly digging into the relationship. And it was just like she was constantly fighting me for my girlfriend's attention. The contention there actually started driving a wedge in between mine and my girlfriend's relationship. So we broke up like twice over just certain social situations that happened with Teresa involved. Teresa abandoned my history and my friendship and dove into my girlfriend's camp. So I was like, okay, I see. I see what you're about now. You're all about the people that are going to gas you up and not call you on your bullshit. Teresa's entire presence was definitely a dark cloud on that relationship. She would come into our lives and drop out of it just as easily. When she was looking for fun and entertainment, she'd call us and then poof, disappear onto another group of people that she could use to buy her drinks or to buy her drugs or pump up her ego. Nick and Christina did eventually get back together, but Teresa's focus on the couple was diverted somewhat when she started dating a guy named Benjamin Rivera. Despite the couple being sort of on and off, they eventually ended up moving in together in Southeast Houston. And lucky for us, Nick actually knew Ben as well. Benjamin Rivera. This guy was the definition of simp, if you will. He would do anything for Teresa. She had this kid wrapped around her finger. I do remember that Ben paid the majority of things. He had a pretty good job. He worked for a cable company and he was making good money. He wasn't the dumb guy. He wasn't a genius either, but you know, just you know, average Joe, but very, very overly attached to Teresa. Based on Nick's insight, Teresa and Ben's relationship certainly doesn't sound balanced or particularly healthy really at all. He was pretty controlling. He would always get upset when Teresa was out with us or just out in general. He'd call her like 50 times a night when she didn't answer her phone. All she'd have to beat him with some BS excuse. And I know there were BS excuses because if she'd be out with me, she'd tell Ben she was with her aunt. But it was a very toxic relationship. I guess she liked having the control. I honestly just kind of wrote him off. I was just like, man, this guy's hopeless. He's never going to give up on her. So a few years later, on Memorial Day weekend of 2021, Nick and Christina were hanging out when she showed him a local TV news story. Turns out, a five-year-old boy had been reported missing only four days before, and members of the community had been speaking to the media about the disappearance. When Nick watched the story... Lo and behold, one of the people giving interviews in this news segment was, you guessed it, Teresa. I watched it, I listened to it, and I said, she fucking did it. She knows exactly where he is. It was like I could smell the guilt coming off of her through the phone screen. It was just sickening to watch. I know you have questions. So how is Teresa connected to this missing little boy? Why is she being interviewed? And what exactly was Nick so sure that Teresa had done? Exactly what was Teresa supposed to have done? To answer these questions, you all know the drill. We got to go back. So there's some things we didn't tell you about Teresa Ray Balboa. And one of them is that while the 29-year-old was living with her supposed boyfriend, 27-year-old Benjamin Rivera, she was also in a serious relationship with another man at the very same time. And not only did Ben allegedly know about it, but he didn't seem to have the balls to really do anything about it. He continued to live with Teresa and live life just, you know, as her boyfriend, while she had a full-on relationship with another man. 
But given Nick's account of how submissive Ben was to Teresa and how desperate he was to be with her in any way possible, it kind of makes sense that he tolerated her behavior. Pretty sure he did, and he was just along for the ride. As long as he could be in Teresa's life, he was happy. Teresa's other boyfriend was a construction worker named Dalton Olson. And Dalton had a five-year-old son named Samuel, who was born on May 29, 2015, to Dalton and his wife at the time, who's named Sarah. After Dalton and Sarah split and Dalton got together with Teresa, she essentially started acting as a stepmom to Sam. And like many young little boys, Sam was fascinated with dinosaurs and he loved Toy Story and his favorite characters were Woody and Buzz Lightyear. So get this. The whole time Dalton and Teresa were dating, he was apparently, Dalton, under the impression that Ben, Teresa's live-in boyfriend, was merely her platonic roommate. Imagine trying to keep that ruse up. I cannot believe that. From the way that Teresa explained it, it was that she was living with Ben, but telling Dalton that he was just a roommate. But they had two years, three years of history and dating each other. To Nick, this behavior was entirely on brand for Teresa, who kind of had this reputation for taking advantage of people and using them as a means to an end, no matter how many people she deceived. And in terms of this love triangle, she really had the best of both worlds. She had attention from two different men, one of whom trusted her to care for his son and one who she could kind of walk all over and count to handle things at home. Teresa was definitely the kind of person that would use people to her own gain. Teresa would tell us like all these things like Dalton this, Dalton that. And we're like, okay, but what about Ben? To make things worse, Teresa physically abused both Ben and Dalton. In November of 2020, Teresa was charged with assault for choking Dalton. But thankfully, Sam wasn't there at the time this happened. Teresa was released on $5,000 bond and the condition that she had no contact with the Olsons as per a protective order preventing her from contacting Dalton at all. And she hit Ben, too. So she's abusing and hitting both of her boyfriends. She would hit Ben. And I know that Dalton actually had a no contact order against her, even though he still had her around his kid and himself because she tried to choke him. On top of that, Teresa had previously lost custody of all three of her own kids. Back in May of 2010, when her son was only a year old, she was charged with possessing marijuana and she landed herself three days in jail. And fast forward to December of 2019, both Teresa and her ex, Alex, lost custody of their six and five-year-old daughters when neither parent showed up to court. As a result of that, custody was awarded to Alex's mom, who later told KPRC2 News that Teresa wasn't taking care of her girls and that she wasn't born to be a mom. That's brutal. And there are no firm details about what prompted all of this to happen, why the court date was set, and what prompted, you know, Alex's mother is getting the custody of these girls, but appears that drug use and violence in the home involving both parties was a factor. And Nick knows about this, so we're going to let him explain. It's like something she didn't want to talk about. So there's definitely something she was hiding. And in Texas, you don't lose custody of your kid unless you really mess up. There has to be like solid evidence against you, drugs, violence, criminal behavior. For a Texas judge to take your kid from you and put them with the father or even with grandparents or into the system, you really have to have messed up because it's a mom's favorite state. My speculation is that that kid was taken from her because of maybe harsh discipline or overly obscene behavior, maybe having drugs around them. 
just overall irresponsibility. Some people just aren't meant to have kids. And I always thought it was kind of like spot on because it's like, well, you lost your kid for a reason, the way you're behaving. Cocaine, binge drinking. When somebody really likes to abuse drugs in that manner, from what I've seen of her, it's definitely a little bit shocking. When I was growing up, I took French in high school, but I could never get the language to stick. I wanted to be fluent so bad, but it never happened. I just couldn't focus and I couldn't practice enough and it didn't work. But thankfully, there's Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop or it can be used as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone is different. It immerses you in so many ways. And with its intuitive process, you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, and then sentences. And before you know it, boom, conversations. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the first-degree listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com first. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com first today. Okay, so it comes as no surprise that I have absolutely no idea how to cook. I don't want to learn how to cook. It's not really my thing. But when I tried Factor meals, it was a freaking game changer. So Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Yeah, two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. So the first time I tried Factor meals, I was actually blown away because I'm like, that's it. That That's all it is. Two minutes and the meals are so delicious. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you can treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, ooh, fancy, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Like I said, they're so easy to prepare. I love them. So head to factormeals.com slash degree50 and use code degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code degree50 at factorymeals.com slash degree50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It's almost summer and the best and most sustainable way to shop for a new season is on therealreal.com. The Real Real is the largest and most trusted source for authenticated luxury resale. It's the only place you'll find brands like Hermes, Cartier, Prada, Dior, Staud, Zimmerman, Jacquemus, and more for up to 90% off retail. 10,000 plus new arrivals land every single day from hundreds of brands you love, all authenticated by a team of in-house experts. Whether it's that perfect wedding guest look, a new summer sandal, an updated beach tote, resort wear for your summer vacation, you're bound to find exactly what you're looking for, plus deals you won't get anywhere else on therealreal.com. Visit therealreal.com and use code FIRST at checkout for 20% off. Terms apply. After Teresa assaulted Dalton and he got a protective order against her, they made up in the typical on-again, off-again, toxic relationship fashion. And eventually, things for them kind of resumed as their version of normal. 
which meant that Teresa often watched Dalton's son, Sam, for him while he worked. And Sam would often spend time with her at her apartment, the very apartment that she shared with her quote-unquote roommate, Ben Rivera, who we all know (laughs) is actually kind of her other boyfriend, right? Yeah. So Dalton at the time didn't have a car to take his son to school, and he worked long hours at his construction job. He was trying his best as a single dad, and apparently, you know, Teresa was willing to help with some of these responsibilities, so he gladly let her. And on the weekend of May 1st, 2021, Sam stayed with his paternal grandmother and attended a birthday party. And because there's still a lot that we don't publicly know about this case, what happened straight after Sam left his grandma's isn't really clear. But Sam ended up alone with Teresa. And it's also not clear exactly which day Teresa took custody of him, but it was allegedly shortly after this birthday party. And while conclusive facts aren't available, Nick's girlfriend at the time told him what was kind of going on in the situation. Right, because Teresa and Christina, Nick's girlfriend, were still in constant communication all through this. Right. And even as Sam went missing, Nick was in constant communication with her too. So this was all happening and unfolding in real time in the throes of their close friendship. She told me that Teresa, Sam, and Ben were in quarantine and that Dalton left him with them. So it seems as though Sam may have been exposed to COVID at some point. And again, this is alleged through all of the people who knew these people, like everything Nick could find out. And the belief is that Teresa, because she had Sam, was exposed too. And then because Teresa was exposed, Ben, her roommate slash boyfriend, was exposed. So the thinking is, allegedly, that because Sam was with them and they were all possibly exposed, they should all just quarantine together to avoid spreading the virus any further. So that explains, you know, you'll hear next that Sam was with them for a prolonged period of time. So then, almost four weeks later, is when all of this shit kind of hits the fan and when Nick's girlfriend, Christina, receives another troubling text message. Teresa had texted my girlfriend and she said, you know, Dalton Front's missing, you know, I, I don't know what to do. And I told her, call the goddamn cops, report it. If you can't find your kid, even if it's your boyfriend's kid or whatever, that's a child that you're responsible for. If he's not where he's supposed to be, you figure that shit out real quick. And then the next day we saw that he was reported missing. Sam had been in Teresa's care, but then one day, according to her, he just disappeared. Teresa told Dalton, Sam's father, that around 7.30 a.m. on May 27th, she'd been at her mom's house with Sam when Dalton's ex-wife, Sarah, who is Sam's biological mother, turned up with a police officer demanding that Sam be handed over to her immediately. And she wanted to take Sam with her and leave the home with him. And she brought this cop to do that. And given that Teresa wasn't his mom and she wasn't Dalton's wife, she knew that she had no legal right to actually keep Sam, so Teresa did as she was told. According to Teresa, she knew things were contentious between Dalton and Sarah over custody, which we're going to get into eventually, and the officer made it clear that if Teresa didn't turn Sam over, she would be charged with kidnapping. She had alleged that Sarah showed up with a fake cop or a cop and took the kid So now Sam's missing, a little boy, five years old. So the community, they spring into action with everyone handing out flyers everywhere, posting them everywhere, and doing whatever they could to help raise awareness about Sam's sudden disappearance, hoping and praying that he'd be found safe ASAP. And as the days passed, Dalton and Teresa grew more and more distressed, not knowing where Sam was and not hearing anything back from Sarah. 
And Nick and Christina spent time with Teresa being as supportive as they could in the situation. And then one day after handing out flyers, Teresa called Nick's girlfriend. And given all that was going on, she was obviously feeling really down and she wanted to see some friendly faces. But when she met them at a local bar to decompress and to update them on what was going on, Nick was really, really surprised at Teresa's demeanor. I remember exactly the last time I saw her and it was after Sam went missing because she had been out handing out flyers and looking for him. And she was like, hey, like, are you out? And we were like, yeah, like, what's up? Are you okay? You got any news? And she was like, no, but I just, I need a friend. And she came to the bar with my girlfriend and I. She was laughing. She was being hype girl. She was the loudest one in the bar that night. And she's just drinking and partying and having a great time. Like, nothing is happening. By May 31st, four days after Sam was reported missing, Texas Equisearch was involved in the search for the five-year-old. They utilized ATVs and search dogs. It was at this point that Teresa appeared on the news, begging for help. What do you think? Where do you think he could be? Somewhere with... Not with us. And that's what... That's the important thing, is that he is not with us and we need to bring him back to us. So... I can't, I can't say where he could be, where he might be, like, because honestly, we, we don't know. At this, at this point, we, we don't know. We can, all we can do is keep searching and doing, you know, everything we've been doing. And we're going to continue to do it. They organized the search parties and everything, and she even had my girlfriend out there helping hand out flyers for the search. I believe they had Texas EquiSearch involved in everything. That's a big deal in Texas. If, if you get EquiSearch involved, they pump thousands and thousands of dollars in, of resources into missing persons cases. Okay, so let's talk about Dalton's ex, Sarah, and her alleged involvement in everything. I mean, Teresa said that Sarah showed up and took Sam. So what exactly is the story there? It appears as though Dalton and Sarah separated around 2019, and according to ABC 13, they had joint custody of Sam. So if that is the case, why would Sarah need to show up and remove him from Teresa's custody? So surely investigators would have wanted to speak with Sarah right away. And when they did, they learned that according to her, even though she was the primary caregiver, Sam hadn't been returned to her care since January of 2020. Okay, which is a long time. So apparently this happened when Dalton filed paperwork to fight for primary custody of Sam. So he wanted primary custody of his son, but didn't have it yet. So then Dalton apparently refused to give Sam back to Sarah after a visit he had. So things were obviously very acrimonious between this former couple. And it's with this that Sarah filed for divorce. And Sarah, when she was approached about this, when she was like, I tried to get Sam back, I tried to get the cops involved, but they kept telling me it was a civil matter and that they couldn't help me. Like, that's what they told the police. And it's like, well, what are you supposed to do? Go, like, abduct your kid and create a dangerous situation? You know, it's a very – if that's true, it's super troubling. And according to the Houston Chronicle, Dalton thought that his custody file had been approved, but nothing had actually been formalized. So this is what contributed a lot of the initial confusion for police over who had rights to Sam. 
According to Sarah, the last time that she saw her son was on his fifth birthday in 2020, which was also the one and only time that she met Teresa. I never met Dalton. The stuff that Teresa would tell us is that Sarah was always trying to get a hold of Sam. Something that came to my attention later on is that Dalton was actually withholding Sam from Sarah, even though they had the custody agreement. Any time that Sarah tried to come and get the kid, they wouldn't even let her see him. But any time Sarah tried to take action, the system let her down and ultimately let Sam down. It's obviously very horrible that these things happen when couples break up because the lack of communication and confusion would have definitely hindered the initial phase of this investigation. Sarah denied picking Sam up from Teresa's mom's house with a police officer. She said it never happened. With this, investigators would have been presented with a pretty big question. Who's lying? Is Teresa lying or is Sarah lying? And if Teresa is lying, why and where is Sam? And that question was, of course, the focus of this investigation. By this point, media attention was really ramping up. Naturally, everyone was panicked about the safety of this little boy. And publicly, there seemed to be minimal focus on Sarah and the search for this mystery cop who supposedly accompanied her to collect this little boy from Teresa. And at the same time, police had noted some inconsistencies in Teresa's story in terms of how events unfolded the day that Sam disappeared. They checked Teresa's story and learned that Teresa hadn't been at her mom's place with Sam as she initially told them. So that's not looking good. In fact, Sam had been with Teresa at her own apartment where she lived with Ben. And according to CPRC2, Teresa couldn't remember any physical characteristics or the name of the supposed police officer who had allegedly accompanied Sarah to come take Sam from her. Then on May 31st, the same day Teresa gave her TV news interview, the apartment where she and Ben lived together as a couple (laughs) behind Dalton's back, which was located on the Gulf Freeway, was searched and her 2012 Dodge Avenger was towed from the complex. What was odd for everyone in Teresa's orbit was the fact that Teresa seemed to go radio silent after that. Remember, she'd been at a ground search party earlier, but then apparently she departed from the group at some point inexplicably, and no one knew where she was now. And of course, she might have just needed a break, but with search efforts ramping up, you'd think she'd at least be there for Dalton instead of just going completely AWOL. Right after the interview aired, Teresa went missing, like dropped off the face of the earth. When Nick saw Teresa's news segment on the news, he had a sinking feeling that she was involved in Sam's disappearance somehow. And when she vanished right when the suspicion seemed to be turning towards her, he was further convinced of her involvement. Nick told his girlfriend, Christina, that he knew in his gut that their friend Teresa was just somehow involved. And this caused a huge fight between the couple because Christina was adamant that he was wrong. And I said, she fucking did it. This girl killed the kid. She wasn't happy with me about that at all. She took her friendship with Teresa pretty seriously. And I was like, the signs are here. Meanwhile, there had been other developments within this case. From a police perspective, they had been suspicious of Teresa's story from the jump. And like we told you, after the missing persons report had been filed, investigators quickly got with Sarah to see... Could she be involved in this? Could Teresa's story be true? And not only did she not have Sam, but she also had an alibi. Sarah had been home the entire day that Teresa claimed that Sam was taken and had the home security footage to prove that she hadn't even left the house at all that day. 
and call it mother's intuition or just call it common sense. But Sarah immediately knew that something terrible was going on when she learned the story that Teresa was trying to tell, which Sarah obviously knew was a lie. It was such a bold-faced lie. Sam's mom is saying, I did not pick my son up from Teresa. I did not pick my son up from Teresa's mom's house. He hadn't been in school for like two weeks prior to him being reported missing. Whoever was heading the EquiSearch effort here in Houston made her do that interview. They found Ben, her, and Dalton talking off in a corner somewhere, and he confronted them, and he told Dalton, like, this is on her. She's responsible for this. Sam's family was interviewed in depth by homicide detectives, and everyone was giving conflicting accounts of when they last saw the young boy whose sixth birthday by now had come and gone. However, these differing versions weren't necessarily intended to obstruct the investigation. There was simply just a lot of confusion about who was caring for Sam last and exactly when it was, and it was just really difficult to keep track of what was accurate and what wasn't. And even though Sam had disappeared while he was with Teresa... Dalton didn't blame her, and they stood publicly as a united front. But after she also went incommunicado, Dalton started to get this horrible feeling that he may have been wrong about Teresa the entire time. Of course, again, he's hoping he's wrong and that Sam is just perfectly fine and there's an explanation for all of this. The very next day, which was six days after Sam was reported missing, there was a breakthrough. An anonymous tip came into Crime Stoppers. According to KHOU, the caller said that he booked a room for Teresa under his name at a Best Western motel in Jasper. And this was 135 miles northeast of Houston, and he had dropped her off there in the early hours of that morning. Police wasted no time descending upon the motel. When their knocks on the door went unanswered, motel staff provided access. Once inside, guess who they found? Teresa. They looked for Sam everywhere, but there was no sign of him. The only thing there was was a big plastic container with the lid that was fastened down by zip ties. And when police asked Teresa where Sam was, she replied that he was inside of the container. Immediately, Teresa was arrested, and on June 2nd, she was charged with tampering with evidence. I found out because my ex sent me an article, and it said, girlfriend of missing boy's father arrested with body. I said, I fucking knew it. She did it. And I was right. Are you struggling to lower your bad LDL cholesterol, even though you may be taking a statin, swapping steaks for salads, and exercising while listening to this podcast? Ask your doctor if Repatha Evolocumab is right for you. With Repatha, you can dramatically reduce bad cholesterol and the risk of another heart attack while enjoying life too, because you're human. And with convenient self-administration, you can take Repatha in the comfort of your own home. Do not take Repatha if you're allergic to it. Repatha can cause serious allergic reactions. Signs include trouble breathing or swallowing, or swelling of the face. Most common side effects include runny nose, sore throat, common cold symptoms, flu or flu-like symptoms, back pain, high blood sugar and redness, pain, or bruising at the injection site. Visit Repatha.com or call 1-844-REPATHA. Talk to your doctor today about Repatha. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Everyone was in shock following the discovery of five-year-old Sam Olson's body in a Texas Best Western motel room. There were so many questions. Why was Sam in there? How long had he been in there? How did this happen? Was this accidental or purposeful? What happened to this sweet five-year-old boy? Upon her arrest, Teresa was extradited to Harris County for questioning by Houston Police Department, and her bond was originally set to $500,000. But the following day, it was increased by another $100,000 in response to Teresa having inadvertently breached her bond conditions once the court found out about assault charges involving Dalton that occurred in the previous November. These charges essentially made her retroactively way more of a risk than they originally thought, which is obviously not surprising. Teresa was arrested and charged with a version of tampering with human remains, like we already said. But the police were also looking at Ben Rivera, Teresa's roommate slash boyfriend. And it's obvious why they'd look at him. He lived with Teresa and had been at the apartment within the span of time Sam was apparently staying with them prior to his disappearance. And the police spoke with him at length. It was clear early on that Ben had no problem talking, and he didn't hold back, and he explained everything. And here's what Ben revealed. It's shocking, so brace yourself. So what he says is that on May 10th, Teresa called him at work and asked him to come home because Sam wasn't breathing. When Ben got to the apartment, he found Sam in bed, covered in bruises, and like Teresa said, he was not in fact breathing. Ben detailed how he and Teresa placed Sam's body in the bathtub for three days before Ben went to Walmart on May 13th. There he purchased duct tape and a black and yellow large plastic container. A receipt found during the earlier search of Teresa and Ben's apartment substantiated this aspect of Ben's story. Then Ben allegedly helped Teresa wrap Sam's body up and place him in the container. And according to Ben, nine days later in the early hours of May 22nd, he and Teresa drove the container in Ben's truck to a storage unit in Webster, Texas, which was 40 minutes away. What I understand happened is that she called Ben. Ben got there to the apartment and Sam was dead on the bed. That Ben put Sam in the tub for two days and then went to Walmart when the smell started getting bad and got a tote box and some duct tape. And then when he came back, they boxed Sam up and put him in a storage container, a storage unit for like four days. So you'll remember that we told you that a Crime Stoppers tip is what cracked the case. And that led police to the Best Western in Jasper, where they found Teresa and the plastic tub. So I bet you're wondering who exactly was the person that called in that tip. So the caller was a 27-year-old man named Dylan Ray Walker, and he was a friend of Teresa's. And it's not exactly clear how they knew each other, but Dylan told the police that after Teresa participated in one of the early ground searches, she called him and told him that she'd been in a fight and needed help. So he agreed to meet her at a Walmart parking lot in a city called Cleveland in Texas, which was about 68 miles away. So according to what Dylan told the police, after Teresa called him and he agreed to help her, he drove her to the storage unit where they picked up a plastic container. Then Dylan drove Teresa to the Best Western, which is in Jasper, and he dropped her off in the early hours 
and then left. And according to Dylan's story, he really had no idea what he was getting himself into when he agreed to help his friend Teresa. It's only when he noticed the smell emanating from this container that he knew he had to call the cops and that he had been roped into something awful. And that is a believable story. <laughs> like oh, Teresa's yeah. a user of people, right? Like who would agree to help with something like this? So according to the Daily Beast, Teresa may have even been planning to have someone help her flee with Sam's body across state lines to Louisiana. Teresa got another friend to come and she was like, hey, I need to get this out of town. And so this guy comes and takes her to a hotel in Jasper. And I believe that the way I heard it was that he started smelling something foul in the box. So he was like, look, man, I'm out. And so he goes home and he called Crime Stoppers. So I'm sure you're all as horrified as we are listening to this. So just imagine how Nick felt. Remember, he had seen her after Sam went missing. Teresa was just partying at a bar like she didn't have a care in the world. I was here like, I can't believe this is happening, that somebody that I grew up with might have killed a child, a baby boy. They tried to celebrate his sixth birthday while he was missing. I couldn't believe the lengths that she went to to hide this. I sat there and had drinks with her while she had a dead body in a storage unit. She's just drinking and partying and having a great time like nothing is happening, which is even more disgusting in hindsight, knowing that she knew exactly where Sam was and she was hiding his body. I don't know if she was trying to drink to drown out what she did, but if you ask me, I think she just didn't care. Remember, Teresa wasn't the only person involved in this. Ben Rivera had confessed to participating as well. And despite his apparent cooperation, investigators uncovered evidence that conflicted with his story. So he hadn't told them the entire truth. He told them some of the truth. Right. So they apparently found a text message on Ben's cell phone from Teresa, dated May 5th, saying she needed to talk to him before he came inside the apartment they shared, presumably when he got home from work. Then, a week later on May 12th, Teresa sent another text to Ben, saying she was going to move Sam's body to the bed. And after Ben told her that maintenance guys for the apartment complex would need access to the property that day, that is, these people are really something else to be so casual about this. Can't believe it. So other evidence was also found. Surveillance video from the Webster Sorge facility showed a man and a woman arriving on May 22nd in a pickup truck resembling the one that Ben owned. Right. And in the back of the vehicle was a container like the one Ben bought at Walmart and the one they had the receipt for. And then the two figures took the plastic bin and put it inside the storage unit. And other surveillance footage from the Best Western in Jasper on June 1st showed a man and woman getting out of the truck registered to Dylan and dragging the plastic container into room number 106 around 3.30 a.m. Ben was eventually charged with tampering with evidence before being released on a $100,000 bond. He was under house arrest, banned from using firearms, and having contact with the Olson and Balboa families. Meanwhile, Sam's mom, Sarah, had been fighting to get her son back from Dalton. Previous to all this happening, all she wanted to do was resume their shared custody agreement, but Dalton had been holding her son from seeing her. And she had no idea that Dalton was leaving their son alone with Teresa, let alone for weeks at a time without seeing him at all, let alone that Teresa had had her own children taken from her for being an ill-equipped parent. So you can only imagine how Sarah would feel, not only when Sam was missing, but when she learned the truth of his loss. 
And certainly she felt that Dalton shouldered a lot of the blame. However, Dalton at this point isn't and has not faced any charges connected to this case. According to the Daily Beast, Dalton released a statement through his lawyer denying any involvement in Sam's death, only adding that the family was in mourning, shocked and in total disbelief. Two days later, the man who had called in the case breaking tip to Crime Stoppers, Dylan Walker, was charged with tampering or fabricating physical evidence with intent to impair an investigation. He was released after posting bond. And the same day, prosecutors announced yet another significant development. The police recovered what they believed to be a murder weapon. And testing was being conducted in an attempt to verify that. What that alleged weapon is, however, has not yet been made public upon the airing of this episode. On July 8th of 2021, Teresa Balboa was charged with capital murder and denied bond. It's not clear exactly when Sam's life was taken, but based on the information that's publicly available, police believe the murder occurred around May 10th. And to put this into context, this means Sam was possibly dead for 17 days before Teresa told Dalton that his son was missing. This case is still in its early stages and doesn't appear any of the accused have entered any of their pleas yet, and that's how early that we're talking right now. Of course, during the discovery process, there's every possibility that the charges could be downgraded if the accused pled guilty. And of course, charges may be upgraded. And even though it's not clear whether prosecutors will seek the death penalty in the event of Teresa's guilt, if she is convicted, her life is pretty much over either way. The entire case has had not just a profound impact on Sam's family and the community at large, but Nick, our first degree, who had a front seat to all of this, you know, was interacting with Teresa actively as this investigation was unfolding. I mean, this has really rattled him. There's a little bit of trauma involved in knowing that a friend of mine murdered a child, an innocent little boy. I remember I was talking with my father. He was a Nueces County Sheriff's deputy. He said, oh, she's going to fry. Texas is a death penalty state. And even if she gets life in prison, she's probably not going to last long. She's a slight woman, 5'7", 5'8", maybe 110 pounds. So she's not going to be able to really hold her own, especially if they find out you killed a five-year-old, your ass is mine. Therese was due to go to trial earlier this year in February, but there's been ongoing delays to allow the defense time to review the evidence. The judge involved was pissed because everybody just wants to get the show on the road to avoid prolonging this painful nightmare for Sam's family. Therese's pretrial hearing is scheduled for late June, with the trial expected to start in early August. When she was first charged, we were like, yeah, this thing's going to wait a while. Honestly, I'm surprised I haven't heard anything new since 2022. Now I just feel like we got to know. I need to see this thing happen because for me, it's personal. Sadly, there's no information yet as to when or if Ben and Dylan will be going to trial. So watch this space. In the interim, Sam's heartbroken family is doing the best they can to get by, knowing their world is never going to be the same again. Dalton's uncle actually goes to the bar that I do. So I'll check in with him every now and then. Last I had heard, he was supposed to go to Thanksgiving and just never showed up. He, he's like a blip on the radars, different places every here and again that they hear from him. I feel for the guy. I really honestly do because no parent should ever have to bury their child. And that's that's just the worst tragedy that can happen. You know, this guy had to endure it. And 
by the hands of the woman he loved. It leaves me thinking that, like, you really have to be careful about the people you invite into my life. Nick is unequivocal about his feelings towards Teresa now. And as is somebody with a child of his own, Nick feels betrayed by who Teresa presented herself to be. Uh, I could never bring myself to talk to her again. If she reached out from prison with a letter, if she called by some cosmic shuffling of the deck, was found innocent, even if she tried to get into contact with me, I would tell her to get the fuck out of my face. That could have been my kid. I probably sound pretty mean for saying this, but like, I hope she gets the full extent of what the law can give her. She took someone's baby. You don't do that and expect to get out alive. At the top of this episode, we talked about how we sometimes ignore red flag behavior when people make us feel good around them. And if you need a chilling example directly related to today's case, Teresa's cover photo for her Facebook profile is a quote which reads, quote, you're only as innocent as the horns holding up your halo. On the face of it, if you don't know her, it's kind of coy and quirky and could mean something. Funny, cheeky, sexy, who knows? Ooh, a bad gal, let me get involved with that. But in the light of what she stands accused of and the overall tenor of her behavior, looking at it that way is deeply disturbing, right? Teresa was in a trusted relationship with Dalton and was trusted with his son, Sam. She was also in a relationship with Ben Rivera. But anyways, despite assaulting Dalton, she wheedled her way back into their lives to gain access to Sam once again, which preceded these alleged horrible, egregious, and unforgivable events, which allegedly unfolded. Teresa almost had everyone fooled, albeit temporarily. And only time will tell as to whether she'll be held accountable for one of the worst things a human being can do. Well, huge thank you to Nick for being our first degree guest for today. If you're listening and you have a story to tell, please email us hello at the first degree podcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, join our Facebook group. We're talking true crime all the time. Again, join our Patreon. We have lots of fun bonus content for you over there and stick around tomorrow because we'll have a brand new episode of Killing Time right in your feed. And mostly join our Patreon because we have another episode per week. Exactly. I mean, we call it bonus content, but that almost cheapens it because this is some good shit. It's a full <laughs> episode. True crime episode every single week. Exactly. So we might have to re- rework how we, we'll, we market we'll that. we workshop that. Yeah, exactly. But everyone, remember, only you can prevent serial killers. And keep your friends close. But not that close. Shout out to Jared Monaco for scoring original music for The First Degree, producing by Caitlin Cleveland, writing and research by Gemma Harris. Sources for this episode are ABC 13 News, KHOU 11, Fox 26, Houston, The Houston Chronicle, CBS News, Inside Edition, The Daily Beast, KPRC 2 News, CNN, The Harris County Sheriff's Office, People Magazine, and The New York Post. And as always, our first degree guest is always our largest source. I was shocked, you know. They were always such a good team, so successful. But to do something like that, to exceed their budget? While being over budget might not be a crime, it can disrupt workflows. 
With Monday.com, you and the team can be sure that you're all in sync. All the data, latest updates, files, and budgets are visible to everyone, so you won't miss a thing. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com.